0: Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Densmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Last week, we started a. Um, a let me go back a little bit further. Several years back, I, I preached through the family, just the different kind of relationships. Uh, that we have in the family and last week if you were here uh, you saw how uh, what the the children's responsibility is to the parents and we went through all of that uh, saw what um, kids uh, according to God's Word are commanded to do and so tonight we're gonna flip the tables and it's going to be the parents responsibility and relationship with the kids and so uh, we're going to continue this uh, again We've got several, uh, a few, not several more, a few more to go through this, but uh, I, I want to remind you before we get into this, uh, maybe you don't have kids in the house anymore, maybe you've already raised your kids, um, maybe you don't have kids for different reasons, uh, maybe you're single, maybe you, um, again, just don't have uh, children, or maybe you are a kid and you don't have kids yet. No matter, again, if you're a parent or not, I I want you to really engage this and listen to this tonight because I think it's very important uh, for all of us to get what is in this. Uh, Again, it applies to parents primarily, but it also applies to grandparents. It applies to adults. um, It applies to everybody because, again, it's the Word of God. So um, I think it's important for us to say that the very best parent of all is our Lord, And, and so when we, we look at what it is to be a parent, there's no greater example. I mean, we've got a lot of human examples that I think are great parents, but there's no greater example than the example of, of our, of our God, our Lord and Savior. And so, um, the second thing I want to say this, if you, again, as I said a while ago, if you've raised your kids already, if you've already raised them, they're out of the house, they're adults themselves, um, know this, please listen. If you raised your kids, your kids are still watching you. They're still watching you. And especially if you're a Christian grandparent or parent that's raised their kids, your kids are watching you and now you have a responsibility uh, to to lead them and to live by example in a different way than you did when you were actually raising them. If you're uh, uh, someone in this church who your kids are already grown and uh, there's no connection to the next generation per se uh, biologically, know this, adults the younger generation in here, they're watching you, they're watching you, Um, and so it's, it's so important for, for us to get that, for understand. the third thing is this, um, if, again, you're not a parent, you're not a parent yet, then take this, and let it be an encouragement for you, maybe in the future, or maybe for you to be an encouragement to somebody else, Uh, seeing the proper relationships in scripture, um, maybe you're a young adult, you're not quite married, or maybe you're um, you, you've been married and you're looking to be married again or, or whatever the case may be Again, all of these are important notes to take uh, For any future uh, family you may have But again, all of these commands that we're going to share are based off of god's word god's commands to christians John 13 verse uh, 34 and 35. We saw this last week It says the new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another Listen to what he says by this this standard right here, this command, will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one towards another. You know, the the thing that should make the church look so extraordinary and so unique is the kind of love that we have for each other. The world should look at us and marvel that we have a kind of love that's unnaturally described. You can't describe it in a natural way. It's supernaturally uh, given. It's supernaturally uh, accomplished. And so, uh, that should be the kind of love that is inside of the church. When, 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 when we can't love each other the way that the Lord has commanded us to love, then what causes us to stand out from the world, right? I mean, if, we, if we've been loved by the Lord and we're supposed to love each other as we've been loved r- through all kinds of scenarios, through all kinds of situations, then, again, what would make us stand out from the relationships that the world has or those without Christ have? Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? They were pressing Jesus. They were trying to corner him, trying to get him to say something wrong. And so they asked him, uh, What's the greatest commandment in all of the law? And Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second one's likened to it Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And these two, the, all the commandments of the law hang. And so, uh, again, th- this is the most important thing for us to love the Lord, to have the kind of love, the right kind of love for each other. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is of God, and everyone that loveth of God is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, because God's love. And again, uh, it goes on to say that you can't say that you love uh, God if you hate your brother, uh, because you've not seen God, and yet you see your brother. So again, I want to I pray tonight. Again, these are kind of the standards. Love is to be the driving force in everything we do. Uh, Paul said even I can I can do all kinds of things in the world, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing And so again, even as parents as grandparents as adult examples love is to be the driving uh, Force in everything that we are and everything we do So let's pray and we'll get into this father. Thank you for this time. Thank you again for this uh, opportunity to gather in your name uh, Lord, this is um, such a special thing uh, Lord to be a part of your church uh, we realize is a gift and I pray that we wouldn't take it lightly. I pray that we wouldn't just sit here tonight and in in some maybe spiritual way look to be entertained. Lord, I pray that we would engage you, that we would allow your Holy Spirit to speak, that your word, that this message would um, penetrate our hearts and it would affect our lives. Lord, we realize this is your holy word. We realize that this is a special time uh, that we get to open it together and help us understand the importance of this communion with you now. And um, Lord, we ask that you would move. Just use me as a vessel, and uh, be glorified through everything that's said and done. We'll praise you for that as well. In Jesus' name, Amen. Colossians chapter three. Uh, again, if you if you want to be turning your Bibles, you can. It's, it's going to be on the screen as we go. But Colossians chapter three. I'm going to read several verses. It says, "If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, your mind. That means your thought, your your thoughts. Set your thoughts, set your mind on things above." not on things on the earth. Why? He says, because you're, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. So when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. He goes on to say this, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. This is the reason, the wrath of God, uh, the, these things, are the reason why the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, and the which you also, uh, som- uh, also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now also put off all these anger, wrath, malicy, bla- uh, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you've put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge of him, uh, of the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, even if, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And above all these things, put on charity, which is love. Which is the bond, it's the glue, of completeness, perfectness. And Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So, while we read all those verses... The reason why is some of the responsibilities that parents have to the children uh, isn't just compiled to an exhaustive list. Again, we, we look into Scripture and we see uh, characteristics of who we're supposed to be as Christians. And so the chief among all of the things that we are to have, even as parents, is love. Number one in your notes is love. The question that I have for us parents is this. Do our children feel our love? Do our children feel our love? And I I know, look, I I, I feed them, I I, I clothe them, I, I, I do this, I do that, but do they feel your love, the right kind of love? Do they feel that love? Do they know you love them? How about this? Do you tell them? Do you tell them that you love them? Do you show them? How do you show them that you love them? A lot of times people define love as stuff. So as long as I give my kids stuff, as long as I give them what they want, then they will know that I love them. We'll see in just a minute, that is absolutely the wrong thing. That's the wrong mindset. Can you imagine our Father giving to us every? fleshly thing we might want would that show his love no do they see now here maybe is a hard one do they see in you a sincere love for christ above all do they see in you a sincere love for christ above all now i'm gonna i'm gonna say something because this are a Wednesday night crowd, and and, and 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 you know I I can't go across the room and, and make a a 100% qualifying statement, but I believe that you you guys are the faithful, of the faithful. You're you know three three times a week. You're the you're the the five hour people, right? I was talking to someone today and reminding them again that we as a body at Trinity Baptist Temple meet three times a week, and on the on the high end of our time together in worship is five hours. So you, you guys are, are made the five-hour people. Uh, we, get, we get to spend uh, five hours together in worship and in the Word of God and, and, and stuff like that. Um, so asking you this question may not uh, it may not be a big deal, but I do want to ask it because, as I've said many times before, you can't separate Christ from his body. So when Jesus was in the flesh and he walked this earth, it was very clearly he was, he was a man, a flesh. I man. the Bible says that he was, he, was, he was made in the likeness of man. He was in the fashion of a man. So he looked like us. He, he had his head, his body. This is the way he was. And then when he died, he was buried, he rose again, and then he ascended to heaven. We see very clearly that his body remained, but in a different form. His body remained on this earth in the form of his church. Scripture tells us very clearly he is still the head. He's still over. He is still the head of the church, but the body remains and it's us. And so again, you can't disconnect yourself from the body. You can't can't say, well, I love Christ. I just just don't know if I love the church. That's completely an error. You you cannot, uh, again, we can go back to 1 John and talk about love for, for people. We can talk about all those things, but you cannot have a right healthy love for Christ apart from a right healthy love for the body they go together i would say if we look in scripture and specifically in the first church in the first uh, century church what we see very clearly is what looks like a body working perfect unison together loving each other taking care of the parts dear kids See a sincere love for Christ. See, this is where I think also we see a disconnect in our culture with, with, with the, the generations coming up. Is uh, parents? Uh, some people say they had a they had a they were they had a drug addiction when they were kids. Uh, they were drugged to church, um, and a lot of people say, "Well, my kids are going to be a church, but but are you showing them the reason why? Are, are, is it demonstrated in your life? Why?" the body, why the gathering, the assembly of the saints, not just because uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verses 25 tells us not to neglect meeting together as some people have a habit of doing, not just because it's a command, but because we have an absolute sincere love for Christ, which also is obviously evident in love for his body. Do our kids see the reason why we go and gather with the body of Christ, the reason why we go to to pray about issues and things and and pray together about the same things, the reason why we go and we lift up our voice, the reason why we go to to, to be in the Word of God together is because we really, really do love Jesus. We really love Him. And we really, because we love Him, we really want to do what He wants us to do. Is that what our kids see? Or do our kids see it's an option it's negotiable, or we go because that's what good Christians do. Again, that, that's going to that's show the, the next generation. It's going to show kids something that they shouldn't see. It's, it's going to show them an example that's bad. What they need to see is this passionate love for Christ. Do they see that in our lives? I think there's some things that in our life when we are showing our love to our kids that uh, demonstrate our love. Again, with all these things we talk about, love is to be the motivator. So uh, here are some things I think that we can do, a couple things that we can do to demonstrate our love for our kids. Uh, The first thing that I have there among all kinds of things we could put, the first thing I have is affirmation. Uh, Studies have been done and they believe that there's this uh, some kind of magic ratio in negative comments versus positive comments. I've shared this before, shared this last time I went through this, but supposedly the magic ratio is five to one. Five to one. The magic ratio of negative comments versus positive comments, or vice versa, is five to one. So in other words, it takes five positive comments, five, uh, five things of affirmation to cancel out one negative. So to, to, to balance, it would take five positive, affirming things to cancel out, again, one negative comment. Again, this, this is applicable in all of our relationships. I mean, it can, it's, it's applicable in, in our relationships with each other, in the, in the marriage relationship. Uh, but again, as, as parents who have been given the responsibility of speaking, uh, and, and be an example of speaking into our kids' lives. We've got to be, in, in our grandkids' lives, so we've got to be conscious of, are we, are, are we breathing things into their life? Are we speaking things into their life that's affirming the right things? Again, uh, you can, it's not just about you're, you're beautiful, uh, you're smart, uh, you're handsome, you're strong. Those are good things to tell our kids, absolutely. But things also like, I, I'm proud that you're, you're faithful in your stay. I'm proud that you, you're praying. And they say, I, I, I invited somebody to church. I, that makes the Lord smile. You know, affirming things. The principles of, of Christians, again, apply in the home first. So I said many times before, so what God commands of all Christians should be seen evidently in the home first. Clearly seen in practice in the home. The principle of grace in our speech is crucial. So when we say, the, the, the affirming things, the things that are positive, things that are good, uh, again, it should be seen in our home that we speak with grace. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29, let no corrupt, the Greek word means rotten or worthless, let no rotten or worthless words proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of edifying. What does the word edifying mean? It means building up. So we are to use words that are building up in all of our relationships, which again, apply in the home first. Why? That it may minister grace to the hearers. And then look at the next verse in verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. So there's a way that we can grieve the Holy Spirit with our words, with our heart, What's, what's in our heart and what comes out of our mouth, again, comes from our heart. And that's why he goes on in verse 31 to say, So let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. It has no place in the child of God who's been redeemed, who's received the grace of God. So again, when we speak to our, each other, when we speak in our home, when we speak to our kids, these things should apply and be kind one to another, tender heart of forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Colossians 4, 6 let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how, to, uh, how, uh, how he ought to answer every man. If we go back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 says, But now also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, which means foul speech, and uh, uh, things that, that shouldn't come out of your mouth. In verse 21, there's a responsibility for fathers not to provoke your children to wrath, lest they be discouraged. What what should we be provoking our children? What what are we supposed to be provoking each other to? According to Hebrews, we're supposed to be provoking one another, urging one another to love and good works. That should be done in the home. So as parents, we have this responsibility to use the God-given authority that he's given to us in our speech to be edifiers. So we have to ask ourselves... In my home, am I showing, and, and I'm not talking about just saying flowery words, but being deliberate and being, being uh, spiritual and, 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 and making sure that we are affirming and that we are speaking the things that are building up our kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Using, again, this authority that God is giving, uh, given to parents, is edifying. Do your kids get pointed with your speech to What's biblical? and what's right, what's pleasing to God. And we'll see a little bit more of this in just a minute. Another responsibility in parenting that demonstrates love is not just affirmation, but also discipline. Part of love is discipline. This is another area of how God is the perfect example for us as parents. So when we look, again, as the, to the perfect parent for the example... Proverbs chapter 3 verse 11 says, My son, despise not the chastening, the correction of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Don't, don't, don't be weary in that. Know that there's a reason why. Here it is. Who the Lord loves, he corrects. Even as a father, the son, in whom he delighteth. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Why? Because whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. God loves us so much that he's willing to say no. He's willing to say, you you will do this. He's willing to say, this is not the right direction. And he does that by several different ways. Sometimes he does that through uh, the preacher, through the Sunday school teacher. Sometimes he does that in private devotion. Sometimes he does that uh, through circumstances. Sometimes God uses Whatever means necessary to correct us. And I've said many times before, I've never liked spankings. I've never liked spankings. I've, I've, never liked spankings. Um, I, I've shared the story before. When, when I was growing up, my dad, all he had to do was do something like this, reach for that belt, and I would break down. <laughs> you know? And uh, it was just, it was something that was built into me. I, I, I didn't want to have anything to do with that. And so even as an adult now, I feel that way towards the Father. I'm like, God, I, I will be really easy. I mean, you just, you just, you just, you just reach for your belt, and I'll, I'll change. You don't have to just make me real hard. You don't have to discipline me real hard. And, and maybe that's the wrong view of, of my relationship with the Lord. But uh, I, I, think, I, I think that is the, um, uh, just a, a, a reverence that I have for God. And also, uh, I, I want to I please Him. I want to be in a way that, that He doesn't have to uh, discipline or correct me. The Bible says that he does when we need to because he loves us. But it goes on to say, this, if, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? But if you without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you're is not sons. So if you don't, you're not corrected by God in, in your, your life when you go wrong or when you go astray, then you have to realize something's wrong. Maybe I'm not a child of God. Because the Bible very clearly says that who's a son and who he loves, he corrects. Furthermore, we have had fathers in our, of, of our flesh, which corrected us, corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father's spirits and live? And that's kind of where I'm coming from right there in my life. You know, you have that fear of, of the earthly father not wanting to have that discipline. And again, how much more should we have the respect and reverence for our, our heavenly father? For if they barely for a few days chasing us, talking about our earthly fathers after their own pleasure... That means after their own judgment and direction for us, but he for our prophet, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now look, look what it says here. Now no chastening for the present and, and, and the immediate. When God corrects us, when God chastens us, when he disciplines us as a good father, it's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel good. It's not joyous, but it's grievous, the Bible says. But look what it says. But nevertheless, afterwards it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised there, thereby. So God's discipline is just, it's right, it's consistent, and again, it's always in love. This is the standard by which every single parent in this room should be disciplining their, their children. It should be driven by love. It should be for their good and for their relationship with the Lord and with others to be right. Again, peaceable fruit of righteousness. I believe when we properly discipline our children, the product will be pleasing to God. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 13, withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Hey kids, kids, y'all hearing this? Let me see this, say this again. Withhold not correction from the child, if, if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. I see some kids kind of looking, what is he talking about? Let me say verse 14. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. So when your parents are correcting you in the form of spankings or beatings within that scope of love and discipline, it's good, Proverbs 19:18, "Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying." That's what I was hoping when I was a kid from my parents. The crying would spare the rod. didn't work. Proverbs 13:24, "He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chastens him betimes, which means diligently, faithfully, in the right way. So all kids in here, all you kids, listen. Your parents are right in disciplining you. If they're disciplining you, in love. So I have told our girls many times when we've given them spankings, we don't like this. I've shared the, the weird part of me when I've spanked my girls before, right? Sometimes I start to smile because it's a nervousness. It's not a joy, and I, I've had to explain that to them. Look, Daddy's not smiling because I'm happy. <laughs> and I've prayed about it too. Like God, that's I don't want to warp their minds. I don't want to I don't want to mess their minds up. Like because I, I don't. It's just a nervousness. You know, it's a, it's, I didn't like it when I got spanked. Cause I don't love having to spank, but I I do that only out of discipline. I mean, out of love, true love for them. Again, if God directs it. And we have to follow it. It's not just in the form of beatings or spankings, of course. There's other ways to discipline. But we not only have this responsibility to love, not only have this responsibility to affirm, use our words in a right way, uh, to, to edify, to build up our kids, to make sure that they're being built up in the right direction in the Lord. Not only do we have this responsibility to love them and discipline them in the right way, but also we have a responsibility to lead them, and that's number two to lead them Deuteronomy chapter 6 and and I'm gonna read these verses because and I want these to sink in because um, I think a lot of times we as parents let's be honest we as parents can get lazy and especially in this generation that we're in now we can get so busy and so lazy and, and and not be engaged in leading our kids spiritually there's so many activities there's so many things to be distracted there's so many things going on that, that we can disengage from actually leading our kids. And leadership is influence. Leadership is example. Leadership is being engaged. And so in Deuteronomy chapter six, that's exactly what we see, starting in verse one. Now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. So again, when you get to the land, these are the commandments you are to follow, that, the, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, "...to keep all his statutes and his commands which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's son, your grandson, all the days of thy life. You do this all the days of your life," he says, and "...that thy days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may be increased mightily, as the Lord God of, the fa- of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth of milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord." And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Again, this is the commandments. This is God speaking to his children. This is saying this is the important things. These are the important things for you to do. First of all, love God with every fiber of your being. Every way possible, humanly possible, you need to love God with all of your heart, soul, and might. These words, not only that, don't only love God... But also the words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart. You got to have them in your heart. They got to be in your life. You can't just say, well, it's the the pastors, the Sunday school. No, it's your job as parents. It's your job as grandparents for the word of God to be in your heart. Why? Verse 7. So that you can teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. I'm just wondering... How many parents have not taken the opportunity to talk about God's Word in their own house? We could talk about all other kinds of things, but I wonder if we talk about the Word of God. Talk of when you sit in your house and when thou walkest by the way, when you're you're out and about, when you lie down, when thou risest up. In other words, he's saying it should be, the word of God should be in your life and it should be coming out of your life. At all times, you you have a responsibility to your kids, to your grandkids. thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. They shall be as frontlets between thy eyes and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house. And on thy gates, what is he saying? The word of God, the commands of God should represent everything you are and everything you do. Your kids should see see this in every aspect of their life. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which thee swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which you didn't dig, vineyards and olive trees that you didn't plant, when thou shalt, shalt have eaten and be full. when you got all these things that God has blessed you with. All these, these amazing, again, we look at it even in America today, all the freedoms, all the blessings that we have. I mean, we can, we can say, well, I've worked hard and I've done this. But listen, we entered into a freedom. Some of you have served our country and, and, and to defend our freedom and praise God for you. But, but a lot of people in here, we just entered into freedoms and labors of our, of our forefathers. And the warning to Israel, I think, is still applicable today. When you get full of all these blessings that have been poured out in your life, beware. Lest you forget the Lord, which brought you out of Egypt, which brought you out of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. Your vow will be with him. It should be with him. You shall have no other gods. You should not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Did you you hear that? What an amazing instruction for the the people of God, the children of Israel. Again, we we, uh, have not replaced Israel, but we are also the children of God. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are also children, sons and daughters of God by faith. And the the commands of Almighty God, the Word of God, the instruction, the will of God, the way of God, all these things should be all over our lives, not just five hours a week. All over our lives, all over our house, everything about us should point to our faith in Jesus Christ. Parents, if we're not leading, if we're not teaching... Grandparents, if you're not leading, if you're not setting the example of Christian living, of what it looks like to love the Lord with everything you have, to to live for Him, to serve Him. And please listen. We can't really demand or expect much else from our kids. We can't expect them to live it out if that's not what they've seen in the example before and I think that's kind of what we want, right? We, we, we kind of want to, even as parents and grandparents, to kind of, uh, to, to kind of do our, our thing, uh, not everybody, kind of, kind of do that and, then, and just kind of some hope, hopeful wishing that because we took our kids to church and we said that we were Christians, that they're going to live that path themselves. God commanded Israel, the, 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 the fathers and the grandfathers, to devote themselves wholeheartedly to him and his, his ways. Everything. There would be no other gods. There would be no other competition. There would be nothing else that, that that pulled them away from who they were in the Lord and what he had done for them in their life. It was to be everything they were. I'm just wondering, is that the example that this generation is getting today? Soon to be parents, if you're you know, maybe you don't have kids or, but maybe one day you will or, or whatever the case may be. Don't, don't wait until you have kids to realize that you need to be living a sincere, sold-out life. Don't wait till your kids become teenagers. Do it now. That way when kids do come along or, or when your kids become teenagers or, or young adults, there's no pretending there's no trying to make it up it'll just be who you are from the beginning Joshua chapter 24 verse 14 it's a very familiar call and very familiar declaration in verse 14 now therefore fear the lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth serve the lord because it's real to you live for him because it's it, it's who you are what you believe serve him with everything you have because that's he is your god there there is no competition not your job not your stuff not your your activities not your will because he is your lord and your god serve him that way put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in egypt and serve ye the lord there'll be no competition but if it seems evil for you to serve the lord then make a decision Choose this day who you're going to serve. If you're going to serve false gods, if you're going to serve gods of your forefathers that were on the other side of the flood, or the God of the Amorites, in, who, in whose land you dwell, then make that decision and go that way. Don't, don't, don't play back and forth. Don't say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but not really follow Christ. Don't, don't, don't say that you believe in God, but you're really not wanting to serve Him with everything that you have. You don't want to love Him and serve Him and, and obey His commands with every fiber of your being. Don't say all of that and then do something else. Because if you want to do something else, just do that. But here, here's the problem it was a problem with Israel, is a problem with, with Christianity today, even much of Christianity today. As I've said many times before, we want a golden ticket. We want to say because I prayed a prayer, and I remember asking Jesus into my heart. And I remember saying, I believe he's the Son. Uh, listen, uh, again, something that, that, that is, is, is not in Scripture. Maybe you didn't know this or not. Nowhere in scripture it says that we are to ask Jesus into our heart. Everything Jesus talks about as far as salvation and, and everything that the New Testament talks about as salvation is all about trust. Is all, or the word faith, is all about trust. That word trust has all to do with surrender. Jesus tried to explain it very clearly. He says, if any man come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. He said, no man can be my disciple unless he loves less his wife, his brother, his whole family, even his own life. That's, that's salvation. That's the call of salvation. It's not workspace. It's, it's absolute trust. It's absolute surrender. It is Because Jesus is God and he died for my sins and he is the only way. He rose from the dead. I surrender everything to him. I trust him wholly. No turning back. I trust him wholly. That's that's salvation. That's how salvation is obtained. And I know many have grown up and say, well, I thought you were supposed to ask Jesus into your heart. No, the Bible, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes in and does the washing and regeneration work. That he makes his, his, his abode in us. Is it wrong to ask Jesus in a heart? No. He's going to make his abode in us if we, if we trust him, the Bible says. So to invite him, nothing wrong with that. But it's not what the Bible says you have to do to be saved. we have, I believe, demonstrated to much like Israel did. You can, you can have the name tag. You can have the golden ticket. You can, you can say all these things and still do what you want to do. And it's okay. Because you'll go to heaven because you did this. And that's not at all what Jesus or his followers in the beginning experienced. There was suffering, there was persecution, there was alienation, there was there was all kinds of things because the, the followers of Christ were completely different. From the rest of the world. And the world marveled. And and, and many people try to stuff out the work. And stuff out the movement. And and they tried to martyr them. And and many times different rulers tried to destroy the word of God. And and, and completely silence them. Remember Peter and John. When they arrested them. They they went back. They couldn't stop them. What are we going to do? What are we going to say? These people are willing to die. For Jesus. That's faith. That's the faith that's unstoppable. That's what what the next generation needs to see in us. Is there is one God. There are no competition. There's no competition. There's there's one Lord and Father. There's one God. There's no competition. But here Joshua is telling the nation of Israel, again, similar to, to, to much of professing Christianity today, he was saying this, listen, don't play games. Don't say that you trust God, but you, you don't serve him. Don't, don't say you believe in Jesus, but you still want to live for you. Don't do that. Just make a decision. I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't want to surrender. I don't want to sacrifice. I don't want to give up my life. I don't want to do this. I, I, I really What I want to do is I want to go to heaven and still be able to do what I want to do. can't. not how it works. Joshua makes the declaration. You know it well. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We believe he is the one true God. We believe that he is the way of life. And we will serve him and him alone. That's what our generation today needs to see in us. There is no rival. There's no no competing element it's not it's not the school it's not the activities it's not our own schedules it's not our our own wants or wish there is no nothing that 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 competes with our allegiance to almighty god again it's not just a good idea it's not just an ideal thought well that's in the ideal world no you know they make a lot of christian art that hangs in homes that has has this verse on it that misrepresent its truth people put it on the wall as for me and my house we'll serve the lord but it's not happening i pray that true spiritual leadership true christian homes are what the kids in our church get to experience but that again it's permeated throughout the culture again this looks like a refusal to let the world self or sin push its way into the family Push the Lord and the things of God to the outside from the center. It's an unwavering commitment to keep the Lord and everything about Him This the center. Y'all have number three on your notes? No? Y'all do? Listen. Listen. That's it. Listen. Love, lead, and listen. Now, I, I'm going to hurry through this because i uh, out of time here, but James 1, it says, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. We've got we've to be quick to listen. Listen to your kids. Hear what they're saying. Be able to spiritually and wisely discern what your kids are saying, how they're living, the direction they're going. Listen. listen listening doesn't necessarily just happen with these ears, but it also happens with the spiritual discernment. Uh, When I say listen to your kids, I'm not talking about obeying your kids. I think there's way too many parents today that are doing that, that are letting their kids dictate their life, that are letting their kids lead, and they're following them around. Listening to your kids means that you care, that you love them, that you do set the example of listening before you speak. First to the Lord and to others. I pray that our kids don't see fools in our homes. They don't see mom and dad and even grandparents or even uh, people in the church. They don't see fools because we speak foolish more than we listen. Proverbs ten nineteen. In the multitude of words there wanted. There's no lack of sin in a whole bunch of words. But he that refrain, refraineth his lips is wise. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. But he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. We can rush into speaking. We can rush into action. We can make a lot of foolish mistakes. Proverbs seventeen. He that hath Knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. This is crucial, because one of the things that we show our kids is we as adults, we as parents, are swift to hear the Lord's voice, so that we can hear others rightly, in the proper context, because we're operating in his wisdom that have ears to hear let them hear what the spirit saith. the scripture says and as i said in the beginning even if your kids are grown they're gone know this they still see you still watching you're still setting an example you're saying that when you get to this age this is how you live what are you saying with that are you saying Once you've raised your kids, then you have an opportunity to to live a more devoted life to Christ even more than you did before. Are you saying that once you reach a certain age, you can kind of pull back on your faith? That that once you kind of do your job and raise your kids and you set that example for a while, and they're doing their job as, as raising their kids, then you can kind of say, you know what, this is my time now. I've worked, I've raised, and now I get to kind of do what I want to do. Do they see that, or do they see a legacy builder? Do they see a heritage being set, a heritage of faith until the day you die? We've got to make sure that we are turning and trusting the Lord, that we are loving rightly, that we are leading rightly, and that we are good example setters of listening rightly. This is what we should, among many other things, but I think this is what we should be doing as parents. Let's love well. Let's lead well. Let's listen well. Let's set that example for that next generation, pointing them to the one true God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we have to, again, gather here and uh, even maybe a little bit of a challenge to us as parents tonight. I know to me, uh, Lord, I, I want to make sure that, um, that we point our girls to you in all things, above all. Lord, you are, you are worthy of, of everything, of our, our, our praise. You're worthy of our life. I pray that we would give it all to you. Lord, help us set the example for the next generation. Help the parents in this this church to be uncompromising, keeping you at the center. Lord, to realize that, again, uh, we have a responsibility to show what's most important. And we do that not by just our words, but even more loudly with our actions. Lord, help us do that. Lord, I pray you move now in this time of invitation. Lord, help us respond rightly. In Jesus' name.